Welcome to Whiskey Tango Globetrot. I'm your host, traveling writer and photographer, Spencer Spellman, and this is the podcast in which we go to some of the most interesting places around the world to hear the sounds and stories from the most interesting people from those places. Then, I bring a taste of that destination to you, quite literally, with recipes and things that you can make at home using the flavors and ingredients of that destination. Today's featured destination is Iceland, which isn't all that icy, but then again, neither is Greenland that green. Maybe some of you have been to Iceland, and for those who haven't, perhaps everything you know about is from your favorite travel Instagrammer, which I hope is me. But maybe where you've seen it is also one of my favorite travel movies, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which I may or may not have seen 10 times by now. Truth be told, like I mentioned, Iceland isn't all that icy, people don't live in igloos, and there aren't penguins and polar bears. Also, everyone doesn't believe in elves. But for being real, some people do. But enough about what Iceland isn't, let's talk about what Iceland is. Nobody paid me to say this, but Iceland truly is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I don't know if I've traveled to a country where everywhere I drove was so stunningly beautiful. Sure, I've seen regions of countries and other parts of the world that are stunningly beautiful, but I don't know if I've seen an entire country which I was so mesmerized by the entirety of its landscape. What's more, though, are the unique and extraordinary things to do in Iceland. Sure, there's a blue lagoon. Although as touristy as it may be, I highly recommend. Yet I think one of the best things about Iceland are the unique and exclusive things to do here. This obviously includes the Northern Lights, which you kind of have to see once in your lifetime. But there are so many other unique things to do in Iceland, like going inside a volcano. What? Snorkeling between continents. Yes, really. Exploring ice caves, snowmobiling atop glaciers, and a personal favorite, seeing the midnight sun. Now these aren't things you can just do anywhere. So in today's episode, I'm taking you to Iceland, although virtually. But rather than have me tell you about my week-long trip to Iceland, you're going to hear from Oliver Dari Olsen, or simply Dari, who hails from Iceland. You may recognize Dari from that movie I've already talked about, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, in which he was a drunk helicopter pilot. However, in Iceland, Dari is a leading, multi-award-winning actor and currently the lead in Trapped, an Icelandic drama series that BBC called one of the most exciting programs to watch last year. Listen in as we talk all things Iceland, Dari's journey as an actor, and of course, the flavors of Iceland. But do stay till the end, as I'll be sharing flavors and recipes of Iceland that you can make from the comfort of your own home. So without any further ado, let's go to Iceland. Olfer, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join on today's episode. No problem. And... You go by Dari, is that correct? Yes. I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, it's pretty good. So I use my middle name because my my dad is also Olavur, my first name. Okay, great. Love it. So we have a lot that I want to cover over the next half hour. So let's go ahead and jump in. So I actually recently rewatched The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which as both a travel writer and photographer is one of my favorite movies of all time. But I have to ask, do you have people come up to you and ask you if you're the drunk pilot from Walter Mitty? It's happened a few times, yeah. I've also had colleagues ask me more than once that whether or not I was actually drunk. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Now, Dari, I'm really curious, talking about The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. When I first watched it several years ago, I hadn't visited Iceland I just went last summer for the first time. And when I was first watching the movie, I just couldn't get over how beautiful the country was. But was that the case for you as somebody that's grown up there? 
honestly, of course, anything you have in your vicinity when you're growing up is something you'd sort of take for granted. People travel a long way to see the Northern Lights, and I love the Northern Lights, but I've seen them so often. You know, it's 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 that's just you kind of get used to it, but at the same time, I mean, it blows you away when you actually sit down and just enjoy it. Right. Yeah. That was uh, when I was there over the summer. It just it was it was one of those those things where everywhere I was driving, I felt like was one of the most beautiful places that I I've seen. And I think it's just this, it was this rare corner of the world where there's just so much beauty, even in, uh, when you're in Reykjavik, it just, uh, it just surrounds you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful place. I feel very privileged to not only have grown up there, but to actually live there now. I mean, it's, it's just a gorgeous place. Yeah, of course. And it's, it's a good segue to my next question, which is Trapped, which I just finished the first season of, which I thought was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, it reminded me of a lot of my favorite crime dramas that I've seen. I was reading some some articles. The Guardian, when it first came out, called it the Icelandic thriller. That's the unexpected TV hit of the year so far. And BBC earlier this year called it one of the most exciting programs to watch. But I'm curious to hear, first of all, uh, can you give just a little rundown of the show, what it is, what's it all about, and who you play in it? Uh, sort of a Scandi noir thriller. Uh, it's about a small town. But, I mean, I think at the heart of any good thriller, especially like a TV series that has to be a slow burner or at least burn over 10 episodes or 13, at the heart of it is quite a massive sort of family drama. And like I said, it takes place in a small town. I play Andre, who is, um, I would say, uh, kind of like a sheriff. And uh, we get the feeling that he might be quite overqualified for being a sheriff in such a small town. And uh, he's in the middle of a divorce. He's living with his uh, in-laws. It's, it's all quite a mess. So when they have a murder in the town, you can see that he sort of... Um, relishes the opportunity of, of being able to maybe escape his everyday life and sort of throw himself into the investigation of that. Some of the, the elements of it just reminded me of, uh, of like a first season of True Detective and other things that are just like really engaging. I mean, each episode just you, you, you know, get to the end of it and you're just looking, f- you, you have to keep watching uh, because you want to know what, what comes next. Yeah. And and I, I'm curious as as somebody that's uh, been in TV series and 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 so many different major movies, what's it like being able to come back to Iceland and star in an Icelandic crime drama like this with an Icelandic cast, Icelandic production studio, all filmed in Iceland? Um, I mean, I these are people that I've worked with uh, for most of my professional life. Um, Iceland's, of course, the place where I sort of grew up as an artist. I went to the drama school in Iceland, um, and that was the main focus of all my work, first the theater and then the film business in Iceland. And um, Iceland's a funny place. We have, you know, we don't have a lot of people. We have about 330,000 people, but we do have a really vibrant sort of art scene. So there's a lot of theater, and I mean a lot. There's... uh, probably around 90 or 80, uh, 90 or 100 theater performances, different theater performances. 
uh, every year. And there's three professional theaters that are state-run, at least in part. And then we have a film business where we make maybe probably around six or seven films a year. And so I, you know, I'm in, in Trapped. Trapped was uh, created and directed, produced by uh, one of my sort of favorite collaborators back home, Bathasar Kormogor, who's actually uh, directed quite a few films in Hollywood and is probably the, I, I, I think I can honestly say, like the biggest producer in Iceland. And um, it was such a pleasure working with him on this. Beautiful. And uh, for, for those listening, the uh, you can currently watch that, I know, in the U.S. on Amazon Prime. Uh, highly recommend it. And you actually you actually answered in part my, my, my next question, which was the fact that I would imagine that a lot of people who haven't been in Iceland or aren't familiar with Iceland don't associate theater and the arts in Iceland. So, so what was that like growing up in that background, even studying theater in a, a place that you know, most people might not associate with, with the arts and theater? So for the most part, it's, you know, the big theaters are repertoire theaters. So they'll do, they'll be doing five, maybe five or six plays at the same time. And uh, it was just a really good place where you could acquire an incredible amount of experience in a short while. So I think, you know, in my first 10 years as an actor, I was in something like 40 or 50 theater productions, as well as doing other stuff. So, and, you know, being an actor, like experience, probably in every every profession, but experience is, is so valuable in acting because it just makes you able to sort of start, you know, you can start looking at smaller and smaller things and, and, I sometimes say it's like painting, you know, you don't have to paint in broad strokes anymore. You can start to use sort of finesse and, and really tiny paintbrushes. And, and and I think that's Iceland was a great place for me to start to get that experience. So I could bring that out into the world. I think I've, I would have done much worse if I would have started internationally much earlier. So that's a great point. I, I love how you put that. And I, I think it's as somebody that, that lives in LA and in Hollywood, I mean, you, you often hear the saying that you really have to be in, in uh, LA to, to make it in the entertainment business or in the music industry, maybe it's Nashville. And so I think that's a, a great point that you make that, you know, starting, starting small and that really being the, it sounds like that being the the platform for like being able to do all these, you know, bigger and more international roles. I mean, it's interesting. I, I woke up this morning to a question on Twitter where this Icelandic girl was asking me uh, how, how, how I've come so far, like, how do I do it? And it was interesting and it took me a while, but I always go back to what one of my teachers I think it actually was my principal at drama school who said, you know, this is going to be, you're going to be taking like tiny steps. You're going to be taking small steps and then all of a sudden you take a giant leap. And that's totally been my experience. And I think, you know, many of us want to start by taking giant leaps. But to be honest, I mean, how many people have we not seen get incredible reviews and, and when they're very young or inexperienced and then they don't really get to have a proper career because they just 
they don't have what it takes to sustain that. And I, I and I def- definitely know for myself that I would never have been able to do that. I needed, I needed to be, I needed to do a lot of small roles. I needed to work with a lot of different directors. I needed to work, you know, in tough conditions. I, I needed all that stuff to be able to appreciate in some way and be grateful for the opportunities that I've, I've actually had. I really love your perspective about that. That's great. Now, for people who are interested in the arts and theater and culture and want to experience that in, in Iceland, what are some of your recommendations? I imagine a lot of those recommendations would be in Reykjavik. I'm interested in theater or the arts. Uh, I would definitely recommend people come for Iceland Airwaves. Uh, there's about two or three big sort of music festivals in Iceland now. There's there's Iceland Airwaves. There's um, there is Secret Solstice, which is in the middle of summer. Airwaves is around, you know, it is in the fall. And then, you know, you can come, you can see theater. There is a, a little bit of theater in English. Uh, and then, of course, there's a lot of art museums and beautiful paintings and, you know, there's a lot of good stuff. Well, my to-do list when I return to Iceland is certainly growing. But to switch gears a little bit, Dari, as I mentioned on email, part of this podcast that I'm doing in each episode is in addition to talking all things travel and specific destination, we're also talking about the flavors and the spirit of the destinations I'm featuring. And of course, the spirit and flavor of Iceland is Brennavin, which I had to pick up a bottle of and bring back home. So I want to hear from you. For listeners, what is Brennevin? What does it mean for Iceland? What's its history? Let's hear it. So Brennevin is, uh, it's sort of an old school drink. The story goes that back in the day, they had like a skull and bones on the bottle. So to try and discourage people from actually drinking it. Because it was all, you know, it was state run. It was made by the state. Uh, Iceland and, and in fact, Sweden and other places, we still have like, the government still sells alcohol to people. So you have to go to specific stores, which are run by the government, which is, is you know, which is great. I mean, it's it's very interesting. And, and uh, But it used to be back in the day where, you know, it was very strict and um, it would never be open on weekends or into the evenings. You had to go for like two hours in the middle of your day to try and get your booze. And I think Brandon very much comes from that. And back in the day, it used to be, you know, you would drink it on the rocks or just straight up. Or a lot of uh, people would drink it with Coke, mixed with Coke. Okay. And um, I remember I did a show with, when I just graduated from drama school, I did a show with a lot of older actors, which was fantastic. Like it was me and then there was an actress with me. I was about 25. The actress was about 40. And then I worked with, I think, five or six actors that were about 60, 65. And uh, we traveled, we toured the country, and I remember one of them never drank anything but Brennavin and Coke, uh, which I thought was the most horrific drink of all time. Because Brennavin is is a caraway seed drink. And... um, I think it's quite an acquired taste. I mean, some of my foreign friends really love it when I bring it to them, but I would honestly almost never have it. Like, that's just not going to happen. I mean, I drink it if there's nothing else. 
except for when I'm eating fermented shark. Yeah, that's which is a, a, this weird Icelandic dish where we eat sort of rotten, sort of fermented shark. And then this this is the drink of choice with that. And you drink it straight up. For all my friends, it has been one of those novelty things where they're probably not going to reach for that on, you know, if they, <laughs> they saw it in the, in the store. Well, I mean, there's a great, they do now every year, they bring out around Christmas, they bring sort of a Christmas edition, which is kind of like a sort of blend between Brennavin and Aquavit, which is a, a very Danish snaps. Okay. And that's actually really lovely. I mean, I'll buy a bottle of that every once in a while. That's really smooth and, and a nice drink. So if people are traveling to Iceland around Christmas, it's I definitely recommend picking that up. Great. Well, I obviously need to come back to Iceland during the Christmas holidays then. You should. It's a, it's a great time. And and to be over the New Year's, I mean, New Year's in Iceland is, is a very crazy time. I've heard it's a riot. Yeah, because everyone, I mean, everyone buys uh, fireworks and you just have 360 of fireworks for about two or three hours. That's amazing. Uh, I've, I've seen some of the videos. Uh, for, for listeners, you should look at the videos of fireworks in Iceland over New Year's Eve. It's, yeah. uh, it's quite a show. I mean, I don't want to say it's like being in a war zone because I've never been and I think that's probably horrible. But if you liken it to that, it's probably going to be the nicest, most beautiful war zone you ever were in. Great. So the holidays and New Year's Eve in Iceland, that's my, that's my next plan. Yeah, I did that. You have to you have to come see me, man. Of course, absolutely. Uh, we'll we'll have a we'll have a drink of Brennan. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> the Christmas one. Yeah. And now we're gonna take a break from my interview with Dara for my personal favorite part of each episode. This is a segment of each episode in which we go behind the bar and I share flavors of the destination that we're talking about. In the case of Iceland, we're talking about Brennan, and so we're gonna make a cocktail using Brennan. But before I get to the Brennavin cocktail, I want to talk about another ingredient from this cocktail that's also popular in Iceland, and that's rhubarb. Rhubarb has a special place in my heart because it's something that I remember my mom using in pies and jams as a child. But it's also popular in Iceland. Similarly, in Iceland, it's also frequently used in pies, jams, and many other desserts. But I even saw it paired with salt and used in other dishes while I was there last summer. Now in this cocktail recipe, I'm actually doubling up on the rhubarb as I'm using rhubarb bitters plus Aperol, which has rhubarb in it. You may not have just rhubarb bitters lying around at home, so whatever bitters you do have will work just fine. So the ingredient list is Brennavin, of course, Aperol, and red vermouth, followed by bitters. Bitters, really you could take a leave, but I added that just because of the rhubarb. To make it, you're gonna make the cocktail just like a regular Negroni. You're gonna take a mixing glass, fill it with ice, put equal parts Brennavin, Aperol, red vermouth, dash of bitters. You're gonna stir it around for a good 10 seconds. Then you'll strain into a rocks glass over ice, or in my case, a fancy block or a globe of ice. Garnish with an orange or lemon peel and enjoy. There you have an Icelandic Negroni. Well, uh, finally, as we, we start wrapping up these questions, uh, there's a few questions that I like to ask each episode that are specific to the country that we're talking about. It's kind of like a lightning round, except it's not timed and the answers can be as 
short or long as you want. So I guess it's more like a round and not a lightning round. But uh, we'll dive into a few of these. What would you say or maybe some some misconceptions you think that people may have about Iceland who have never been? I think, I mean, all kinds of different ones. I remember uh, uh, I had a taxi driver once in Key West ask me how it was to live in all those uh, igloos. Uh, and I just loved that question so much. I, I didn't really want to break his heart and tell him we didn't. So I just told him it sometimes it was quite cold. And I guess he was mixing up Iceland with Greenland. But honestly, people don't live in igloos in Greenland either. <laughs> right. On, on that note, what do you think it is that makes Iceland... Well, Iceland, like, what is it that I think really stands out about Iceland? I know we've talked a little bit about the, you know, some of the beauty of it, but I would love to hear from you as having grown up and lived there your entire life. Like, what is it that makes Iceland Iceland? I, I think there's, um, we have a bit of an inferiority complex. I think that comes from coming from a small town, like, which Iceland is. I mean, it, like I said, it's a tiny island in the middle of the North Atlantic. Um, and I think that feeling has actually helped us quite a bit because it's made us sort of very intent on putting our mark on the world. Uh, I think it's a great place to be as an artist. I think it's a fantastic place to be because it's honestly so small that the artist community is really small. So you can... You know, you have access in Iceland that you wouldn't have here in the U.S. Just because the size in the U.S. is so big. But in Iceland, I mean, you can be a, a recently graduated actor. You can still be in drama school. And, and you can probably ask someone on Siguros to work with you on a project. And you can, you know, if you don't have the number for someone on Siguros or the email, you, can prob you probably know at least one or two people that do. So... I think access is just so much easier there. And, and that sort of delivers a certain vibrancy to the arts. And you can, you can get a group of people together and you can go do something quite easily. And I, I think for me, that's one of the great unique play, parts about coming from Iceland. And that's something that I, I don't feel like you can have in, in many destinations, but because of the size of Iceland, it allows for that. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we don't really have agents. You know, as an actor, I don't have an agent back home. And so you don't really have these people that are in between that you actually need in a big country like the U.S. in, a, in such a big industry. You don't really need them back home. So, like I said, you know, you have, you have much easier access to different kind of people. You can get things moving really quickly. And... Icelanders are quite good at that. We have, you know, a great saying, which is just like, you know, uh, it'll work, it'll be fine. And, uh, and we, we really use that a lot. So, I mean, I, I uh, probably around four years ago, I did a, a low, I mean, a very low budget feature for about um, $300,000. And I think we, you know, we, we got that together in about two months and shot it in 18 days. And, you know, we didn't have, have, you know, we didn't get a, a huge grant. We didn't have huge investors. And we just, we were able to make it because we knew a lot of people in the business. And, you know, we had a great idea and people just sort of jumped on that wagon. So it's, it's, it's a good place. 
I love that. And I, ironically, I actually, the, the two days that I was in, in Reykjavik, stayed at the uh, an Airbnb uh, of an artist in, in Reykjavik. And mm-hmm. she was just the loveliest. Uh, it was right beside her art studio. And so she had her art throughout her the home that we were staying at as well. And it was a really cool experience that I don't feel like I could have just had, had anywhere. What are some Icelandic words that may be nice for first time travelers to know before coming to Iceland? I know it would be hard to learn uh, much of the, the language, but what would be some words that might be good for travelers to know before coming to Iceland? Well, I mean, it sort of depends on what you're looking for. Uh, a lot of people are probably looking for beer. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. Beer is a uh, beer. Okay. Uh, Icelandic is a tough, I mean, it's, it's, it is a tough language. And I, 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 I just understand that every time someone wants to pronounce something in Icelandic and I'm trying to teach people and they're like, Bjor, Bjor, and you know, Bjor, it's, it's massive. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember the, you remember the volcano that, erupted maybe probably five six years ago when that sort of disrupted all the flights coming yeah. out, out of europe yeah and that was uh but i actually went to a, there's a great tourist destination in iceland that people should go if they're there from i think uh, april till about october there's a beautiful volcano that you can go into like a dormant volcano uh, you, you travel about 120 meters down into the volcano. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's called Inside the Volcano. Okay. And I really recommend people check that out. But when I went up there and, you know, and we were talking about the name of the volcano, I was like, okay, wow. I mean, for me, that's a tough, it's a tough thing to pronounce, even for an Icelander. And that <laughs> place is called, that place is called Frithjúkagígur. Wow. And yeah, because it has just so many weird things like nuka, where you have to have this nose, like blow your nose at the same Fuka. time you say it. Wow, I mean, it's it's so much fun. Um, yeah, but I mean, Iceland's—it's not easy. But you know, if you're in a bar, especially people will help you because Icelanders are a bit shy. But you get a couple of drinks in them, and they won't be shy anymore. That's that's good to know. And what's the word for thank you? Fuck. Talk. Yes, very good. Great. Uh, and you talked about the, the volcano. What would for people who are coming to Iceland for the first time, or even if you have you know, friends that are coming over, what's kind of the the must do thing for you? Like, if you're coming to Iceland, you have to do this. Well, the, probably the most touristy thing is to do the Golden Circle, which is uh, you go see this beautiful waterfall called Gullfoss. And you go to a place, a place called Geysir. And Geysir is, of course, the sort of original name for Geyser. Uh, so you go see those two things. And then you go see Thingvellir. And Thingvellir is actually a really cool place because it's right on the border of the tectonic plates that between Europe, uh, the European tectonic plate and the American one. And... It's sort of in a valley, and you can honestly see, like, in, I think, about a couple of kilometers, you can see on either side where the land is sinking, which is incredibly powerful. And for some reason, probably because this place has a a unique kind of power, 
this is also the setting for the first sort of representative parliament, which was formed in Iceland in the year 930. Wow. Uh, and, um, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful place. So that's, that would be sort of the most sort of typical thing that tourists do. Plus they go to the blue lagoon. <laughs> of course. And I did the, the golden circle. Uh, we did that on our, our second day. And for people listening in, I can't recommend it enough that the whole drive, uh, is beautiful. The Gulf falls waterfall is gorgeous. It's yeah, you, it's, it's definitely a, a must do in, in Iceland. And like, you know, honestly, if you're coming over and you have two days or something like that, then that's, I think, a no-brainer to do, stuff like that. Uh, right. If you are there for a little bit more, you can you can venture out to places like uh, Snæfellsnes, which is in the west part of Iceland, which is absolutely stunning. It has uh, a beautiful, sort of my favorite hotel. One of my favorite hotels in Iceland is Hotel Búðir which is on Snæfellsnes, which is really beautiful. And you have a view of the glacier. Uh, I mean, it's honestly, it's a great place. It's a really good place. There's a lot of stuff to see and do there. Amazing. There, there truly is. I'm looking forward to, to coming back. So I've got another one or two questions and we'll finish up. But curious, talking about creatives and the arts, and is there any advice that you would give to uh, an inspiring actor or maybe just an inspiring creative artist or photographer? Yes. Um, <laughs> I have so much advice. But there's, there's, I think, honestly, I mean, I think every, people are different. I, I listened to a great podcast the other day about the difference between artists like Monet or uh, Picasso. And, um, I think, and I think that was quite right. So that was, they were sort of saying there's some people are sort of like geniuses. They can, they just think in a different way, but some of us are great artists because we just keep working at it. We're just endlessly just sort of grinding our way through it. And, um, and I'm, I would fall into the latter category, I think. And for someone like me, Honestly, I think the best things I ever did was was just sort of trying to be honest in my work, working hard, uh, making sure that I showed up on time and I was a professional. And uh, I hate to say it, but you know, also just sort of know where you're at, like know know your place. In, in some ways, I mean, it doesn't mean. You should also break the rules and all that stuff. But, you know, just there's a lot of things that people can teach you. And if you're in any way arrogant or closed off, those people probably won't teach you because, you know, it's, it's hard to help someone who doesn't want any help. And I think for me, it was really important for my journey just because I was always interested in help. So I think it's just a, Keep a, keep a really open mind. Be broad-minded. It's great advice. And, uh, and be interested. Like, you know, let, let life surprise you. That's great. One last question. Where can people currently see you? On the big screen or on TV as well? Um, here in the U.S., you, like you said, like 
I, I really recommend that people watch Trapped uh, on Amazon Prime. I think I can make that, you know, I can make that suggestion because I know that people liked it and I, I'm quite proud of that. I think currently there is uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them too. I think I'm, I'm in that film. I actually haven't seen it, but I... Yes, you, you were. <laughs> it, was, it was a pleasant surprise to see you on screen. And then, you know, you can probably find stuff around uh, that I've done. There was Lady Dynamite on Netflix, which I'm I'm so proud of having been a part of. Even that that's not we're, that's been cancelled. So, but we did two seasons, and and I think Maria Bamford, who is uh, one of the funniest comedians, but also just one of the nicest, most talented people that I ever met. So, I, I really recommend people see that if 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 they don't mind a little bit sort of different kind of comedy. That's sort of the first things that come to mind. Well, I, I second all those recommendations. I've seen a couple episodes of Lady Dynamite, which was great. It's a, a series that I think a lot of people don't know about, especially here in the U.S. And again, Trapped was was fantastic. And Fantastic Beasts, uh, you were also in. So yes, I second all those recommendations. Dari, thank you so much for joining, joining today. This was great to get your intel on Iceland and learn a little bit about your history and background as well. Thank you so much for talking to me. And uh, I really look forward to our drink in Iceland. Yes, absolutely. That was all for Dari Olsen. And that is our episode. Thanks for coming along. You can find more travel adventures and cocktail recipes, including the adventures and cocktail from today's episode, on my website at whiskeytangoglobetrot.com. That includes some cocktail recipes from one of the best cocktail bars in Iceland, Slip Baron. Alana, the head bartender there, was kind enough to provide some recipes to share with all of you. Find me also on Instagram at Spencer Spellman. Leave me a review on iTunes. Even drop some feedback, any questions you have, or even recommendations before you think I should go next. I'll talk to you next time, and I hope you'll be there listening. Peace from the map crease!